Welcome. Welcome, and uh, got to remember I've got to hold it today, and and Happy New Year. It's only a uh, couple of days away, and uh, I don't get caught up in New Year's resolutions, but I do think that we need to consider what happens in the new year and our responsibilities and uh, the purposes we have to follow. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to this time of opening your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, work in and through each one of us as by your Spirit we communicate with each other and you communicate with us. And help us, Lord, to have some image of your might, your greatness. You are the almighty God. Help us to feel your closeness in worship. And, and Lord, challenge us regarding the things that you would have us to do. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I commence the message, I'd like to bring a short reading that has to do Yes, very good, it's working. <laughs> it's the only reading that I'll be reading at the beginning, but I'll be bringing a few more in my message. <laughs> Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We read that verse, and we all have been in church for a fair time, and as I look around, I think most of us have. <laughs> You'll recognise it as the, the verse that we refer to as the Great Commission that uh, Jesus gave to the church. And uh, in looking at that, how would you in your own mind, just look at it and think, what's that mean to me? How would I phrase that, rephrase it for me personally in my life? What does it mean to me as a person, as an individual? And uh, so in that case, what would be your purpose there's a lady, Fanny Crosby, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 200 years ago, she wrote a hymn. And these are the words of the first verse. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave, weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. When you look at that, that has to be Fanny Crosby's purpose. To rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Obviously she had a, a heart that saw the dire state of people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll sing that whole hymn at conclusion. And uh, it goes through different situations in different verses. And it's a challenge. 
and in a way that I would suggest is her purpose. That was her great commission. And uh, surely this is the ultimate purpose of the church. And we need to take note as we move into a new year. We are surrounded by people who, as Fanny Crosby says, are perishing. We're also surrounded by people who know they should be walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, but need encouragement. Did you know that in the last census, here in Kalanga, 51% of people indicated that they were Christian. Now we know that 51% of the population isn't in church and we know that that statement can be fairly casual. But the very fact that they say they're Christian means that they're not opposing. There's a, a little bit of a lead in with 51% of the population here in Kalanga. And, and I'm not uh, naive enough to think that I'd go to every one of them and, and get a good response, but at least they've indicated that they're Christian. And um, this is an opportunity for us, but we need to work on fulfilling this purpose in the church today. Who would agree with that statement? Our world is in a mess. <laughs> now, actually, it's not completely true, is it? <laughs> um, if you're like me, you're, you're pointing to things that are happening and, uh, and not very pleased with them. I'm, June and myself, we've been down the beach on Bribey Island for a week. And, okay, there, there wasn't much proclamation of the gospel down there, just generally around in the community. But what we did observe were people cooperating, families, mums and dads, building sandcastles on the beach and playing with their kids. And what we did see was the image of God. God created people in their own image, in his own image. And we can expect people to display good things and generally that does happen when there's a disaster in Queensland and, and everyone in the community gets in and helps and, and, uh, and then some politician says, see what Queenslanders are like, they're fantastic. Everyone in the world is, is like it because they have this innate image of God. But having said that, there are things in the world today that cause you to sit back and say, well, what's going on? Did you know that... Um, the British government have established a minister for loneliness. And amazing. In this technological generation, there is a, an increasing number of people who acknowledge they're lonely, not just alone, certainly uh, families that are alone and um, single mums trying to struggle, that can end up in, in loneliness as well. But they're, they're getting, they've got so much to do looking after their kids that... <laughs> Maybe the loneliness doesn't come until they're off by themselves. But the community has a lot of people who are lonely. That's one of the things for the church is to be available to them, isn't it? But then there's other things that are happening in the world. Have you noticed that I, I suggest all 
of the Christian democracies in the world are falling apart. We see political problems here in Australia. Um, when I say Christian democracies, government of the people, by the people, for the people, under God. That the country politically did things to serve the people, but when laws are made, they used to be based upon the absolute truth of God's word. Those Christian democracies were used by God to spread the gospel throughout the world. Here in Australia, we were colonised by Great Britain and a number of places were colonised by Great Britain. And although we point to the individual missionaries that went out, God used these European nations to spread the gospel. But the, these democracies that did that really no longer have a Christian base and laws are being made to suit the people. The government of the people, by the people, for the people, without God, and laws that are made by the people, makes the people God. And this is how I see what's starting to happen in the world. And sometimes when people stand up and speak the truth and say something, they're strongly criticised. And sometimes governments make laws to say, no, you can't tell the truth out in the open. Charles Newington, who's the CEO of the organisation Family Voice, looking at this sort of thing and he reflected on Isaiah 59 verses 14 and 15. And this is what that uh, couple of verses say. Our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the street and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, Truth is gone and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. Now I don't suggest that Australia is quite like that statement, but that middle one, truth stumbles in the street and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth has gone and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Occasionally we do see some of these things even happening in Australia. So... I'm just trying to paint the picture. This is, this is what I see as the environment that we're in. A lot of good in it, yes. Because people can be lovely and, and have this lovely uh, image of God. But things are happening that, well, we look at and we're not too pleased with. And in this developing climate, the church has a massive job. It's not a case of retreating. It's a case of getting out and preaching the gospel in the understanding of the, the things that are happening around us. So we've got to step out in faith. We've got to step out in boldness and not be withdrawn and not speak the truth. And as we do this, um, we also have the problem, the same problem that Jesus had. Um, and with a sad heart, this is what Jesus said that was in Isaiah. That was a picture that the prophet said about Israel at that point in time. And then Jesus came to his people and this is what he said about his people. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled which says, you will keep on hearing but you will not understand. 
You will keep on seeing, but not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. And uh, I feel that that's one of the problems that uh, we find in the community. A lot of people have switched off. They don't want to hear the gospel. They hear it, but, but it doesn't quite get down into their heart to challenge them. And righto, this is one of the hurdles that as Christians, we, we somehow have to think, how do we break down this barrier? How do we sensitively get out, preach the gospel boldly and bring people to Christ? It's the same hill that Jesus climbed, but remember, there were those who came to Christ. And remember the, uh, the story of the great feast, where when the, some people came in, but there wasn't enough. <laughs> and the head of the feast said, go out, get some more. And he brought in more, and he said, oh, there's still room. Keep going out and getting some more. And uh, that's what uh, God would say to us today. Okay. <clears throat> We know the ultimate purpose of the church. We've just uh, looked at that to start with. But today I want to dissect it and expand on it and bring it down into actually five individual purposes. And the purpose of the church can be stated in uh, many ways, but ultimately, no matter which congregation you're in, no matter which denomination you belong to, your purpose should always be the same. And you'll find churches find some wonderful way of stating it to get into people's hearts. Well, okay, we did that. <laughs> what is the purpose of the Christian church? And there's a mission statement for our church. Rivers Church of Christ exists to help people to know God personally as Saviour, Father and Lord, to grow as Christians in relationship with God and each other and to go together in love to share this relationship with others. Knowing, growing and going. That's the short, nice, nice way of just condensing this to remember it. Now, I want to expand on those. And uh, I want to develop a purpose for you and for me because the church is individuals and when you came in you received a little card it wasn't something you've got to give in to get a cup of tea later <laughs> it's, uh, and on that is a summary of what I'm going to be saying and what I'd like you to do is, as I've done I put it in my wallet and like many folk I've got a window in my wallet for my driver's licence I put it in front of my driver's licence so that I can read it and at the end of the service, I suggest you take it, you put it somewhere so you can regularly look at it. And first thing of the morning, you read it. Anyhow, we'll start with the word knowing. In Exodus chapter 20, we find the first commandment given by God to mankind through Israel. It says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And I, uh, I feel it's important to recognise that that statement is an identification statement. 
the word Lord is really um, an abbreviation or alternative word for the word Yahweh. The name of God is Yahweh. He's saying, I am Yahweh, your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. And this was coming into an environment where they'd just come out of Egypt with all of the gods in Egypt. God's saying, I'm not Osiris, Osiris, I'm not one of the other gods in uh, Egypt. Coming into Canaan with the gods of Canaan. I'm not Marduk of uh, Mesopotamia. I am Yahweh. And um, God's chosen people, the purpose of them is to identify who the true God was. And among all of the intricacies of the Old Testament, the main message that comes through again and again and again and again is Yahweh. He is God Almighty. Yahweh is God and there is no other. And as we go back to the book of Genesis, we find that it was Yahweh, it's in chapter 2, chapter 1 doesn't tell you this, chapter 2 of Genesis is the identification chapter. It tells you who the God of chapter 1 is. To me, I see that the purpose of chapter 2. And, and uh, it was Yahweh who created all things and who personally formed Adam from the dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And then we come to the New Testament and we find in the Gospel of John, of course, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, that Yahweh is identified with Jesus Christ. For as the Word of God, all things were created through him. He is Yahweh, self-existent, the word Yahweh means self-existent, the self-existent one, the uncreated one. He was, he is, and evermore he shall be. We're not Jews, that there is only one God, and we're told in the New Testament, Mark 12 verse 30, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength, centering on God in this intimate way is worship. Talking to God, it's prayer, is part of this worship. We do this not for what God has done for us. We don't worship God because of all the lovely things that he's given us, the mercies he's shown us. We worship God because of who he is. We praise God for what he's done. We thank him because we've come to know Jesus Christ. We've come to know eternal life through him. We've come to have, have answered prayer. We praise him for all of the lovely things. But we worship him because he is the almighty God. So I've gone through a lot there. But the whole purpose is to come the very first purpose of the Christian church is to love God and worship him above and beyond anything else that is the very first inescapable foundational purpose of the church God Almighty the creator the self-existent one we are to love him for whom he is and uh, I, I really um, appreciated our first 
song today, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. And that is a song of worship that uh, centres on God for who he is. We came into fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. That fellowship is maintained in a wonderful organic way by God's Holy Spirit who dwells within each of us and the Spirit aids us in our communication with our Lord and with each other. Now in a church there's going to be all sorts of pressures and all sorts of programs. Um, you don't sit around and do nothing in a church. You'll be busy. And uh, there'd be different ministries and there's going to be deadlines. It's got to be done by a certain time. And when I wrote down that word deadline, it occurred to me, everything else that ignores God is a deadline. <laughs> if you leave God out. <laughs> You can get caught up in so many things and you're doing it in your own strength. That's a dead line. <laughs> if this first purpose is not preeminent and then everything else has to follow from that. So I can say it's all about God, but now I'm going to give you four more, <laughs> four more purposes, but they all fit underneath that first one. Psalm 119 is a fantastic psalm. Open up my Bible and you can't see it for the ink that I've, <laughs> that I've underlined bits and pieces on it. I'll just read a few verses, this just a few verses from it. Verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Speaking about the word of God, the scriptures. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's David rejoicing about here? He's thinking about the Holy Scriptures, he's thinking about the written word of God uh, that which has, he has taken into his heart and that which has governed his life. He loves the word of God. Return to the New Testament, we find Paul giving advice to Timothy where he says to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Understanding God's word and being able to use it but taking it in to your own life and, and basing your life on the word of God. So we're to love God's word, we're to study it and live by it. So love God and worship him. And if we love God's word and study it and live by it, we'll even come closer to God through that. That I see as the second purpose. They're not necessarily in this order, but that's the one that I see as a second purpose. And the, the church achieves this as that um, each and every one of us, we are the church. Sort of, uh, this is not just 
for Tim. It's not just for the preachers. It's not just for those who stand up and teach. But each and every one fulfills this purpose in our lives. It becomes part of our preaching, part of our home groups, part of our own personal quiet times where we open the Word of God and we apply it to ourselves. John 13 verses 34 and 35 say this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we sang that before, I, I, I was drawn sort of very closely, very much aware of the message of that song. Okay, we've got the Great Commission in the New Testament that tells us to go into the world and preach the gospel and we're going to come to that. But if a church is to preach to others, it almost goes without saying that the body of the church itself should be healthy. It should be united as one, reflecting the qualities of Jesus Christ. We are to love one another as Jesus loves us and the Lord leaves us in no doubt about the importance of this loving one another. Do you know that in the New Testament there are 59 verses that encourage this one another relationship? It's the topic that is mentioned more than any other topic in the New Testament. And when it's saying love one another, it is emphasising not loving our neighbour, we're coming to that, but loving your brothers and sisters within the church and the church is strong. And that then's a foundation. These are just a few verses. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Stop passing judgment on one another. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. And there's another 54 verses <laughs> that follow the same pathway. With, and uh, it, it, it's good. Just look it up on the internet and go through all of them. Uh, I don't know how many verses that just love one another. There's a few of those. But it's, do you think that this is an important purpose for the church? And... and uh, I think it's fantastic to, uh, to look at it. Um, so, love God and worship him. Love God's word. Study it and live by it. Love one another as Christ loves us. And those, one, those, those three, you can see, are building up the church. Knowing God and growing in our own uh, understanding of, of Jesus and understanding of the church. They're, they're vitally important before I speak to anyone else. <laughs> it's sort of be going down this path. So I've got to return to that verse that some of you noticed I ignored. Mark twelve thirty one. You should love your neighbour as yourself. I think I've heard a few times over the years Love should be learnt in the home. Anyone heard that statement? That's where 
love is learnt. And, and if, if a child is in a home where there's no love, they grow up dysfunctional. They, uh, they grow up with a, a few problems in relating to pe people. And as I've said, this love should start and be practised as a habit within the family of the church and then allowed to overflow to others. Okay, in the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, do you remember that story, of course, where someone was walking along the road, they got uh, um, robbers came and uh, attacked this fellow, uh, robbed him, left him lying injured beside the road, and then some religious people came along and effectively they walked past on the other side of the road, I had a look and then just kept going and just left him lying there. And these religious people came from a synagogue or a church, obviously without love. And it showed by the coldness that they had towards the injured man. Then along came this Samaritan who he realised Samaritans are hated by the Jews. And he obviously came from a different gathering of godly people, people who had absorbed God's love and it overflowed in the giving of time and money. He helped the man, tended his wounds, put him on the donkey, took him into town, paid for his accommodation. Fantastic. Love your neighbour as yourself. But as fantastic as that particular chapter is there's one even more fantastic in the New Testament and it's this one in uh, Luke 6 27 to 31 the words of Jesus but I say to you who hear love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you to him who strikes you on one cheek off the other also and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, also do to them likewise. So Jesus clearly implies that having learned what godly love is, we should extend love to those whom we might consider as unlovable, and as we see from the story of the Good Samaritan, we are called to love and serve those in unfortunate situations. Loving one another and being loved by one another in the church will be the powerhouse of our ministry and in the confidence of being loved by God and one another, we are expected also to fulfil this purpose. Loving each other is growing. Loving our neighbour is going. So we have the four purposes and only one more to go. Love God and worship him. Love God's word, study it and live by it. Love one another as Christ loves us, forming the body. And then this first one of going, loving our neighbour as we love ourselves. And we've got the last purpose to go. And of course, this is to do with the Great Commission. Therefore, Go and teach all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I command you, and behold, I am with you all the days 
until the end of the world. And this commission, of course, was given to the 12 apostles and it's come down over the 2,000 years or so. And Jesus is calling a people to come to him through us. It is the church that he has established to make that call, that the Holy Spirit flowing in and through you energises you and reaches out to others through the ministry that God has called you to. The four purposes are vital for the church, to be godly and strong, but this final purpose is the ultimate mission of the church, it's our marching orders to go and make disciples. So we have love all people and bring them to Christ and we have the five purposes of the church. Love God and worship him. Love God's word, study it and live by it. Love one another as Christ loves us and love our neighbours as we love ourselves. Love all people and bring them to Christ. It's been said that the church today has lost the urgency of evangelism. And maybe we talk about it, but is there less boldness in our approach to reaching out to people? Quite often we sing songs of praise for what God's done, what God has done, and we sing songs to tell him how great he is. And I love those songs this, this morning that help me to really worship God. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but um, we don't sing many songs to encourage people to go out and fulfil this great commission. Many older folk like myself can reflect on the past going back 50 to 60 years when the various churches cooperated actively in mission. And again and again there were gifted evangelists available to preach the gospel. This activity was advertised widely, might have occurred in a church building, it might have occurred in a big tent. And um, the uh, people were challenged to repent. The gospel has not changed. We're still called to make disciples. And that song that uh, we're going to sing after communion um, is one that resonates. And as you sing it, later on I want you to really think about the words of it and uh, remember this, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave, Weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty, to save. So what I'm saying here, there needs to be sorrow in our hearts for those who are perishing. Sorrow in our hearts, not because people are poor and neglected and need some physical help. We've got to help them. That's vitally important. But more importantly, that people, whether poor or rich, who have not responded or even heard the message of salvation have the opportunity to come to Christ and this church does its part of that job. Love God and worship him. Love God's word, study it and live by it. Love one another as Christ loves us. Love our neighbour as we love ourselves. Love all people and bring them to Christ. 
Martin, we might at times find things difficult. I came across a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. <laughs> keep moving forward and carry out the Great Commission. Amen.